We are delighted to have Rob uh, with us this morning. So let's welcome Rob, shall we? Rob and Pam. <laughs> Rob and Pam are founders of the Woodlands Church family, but are such a blessing to us as a church. And so it's a delight, to Rob, to have you with us this morning sharing. And um, I'm going to say a quick prayer for you. And Lord, thank you so much that you've got a message to us this morning. And uh, Lord, I pray for Rob as he shares with us. I thank you for his life of faith, for his life of prayer, for his life of listening to you, for your leading. And I pray, Lord, this morning that be, the same will be true for us, that we are, want to be people who are inspired to pray, want to be people that are inspired to listen and inspired to follow your leading. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Ed. It's really great to be with you. Highgrove is a very special place in our hearts, so uh, I can still remember with much gratitude to God when we first planted the church here. It was an old church building, been closed for 10 years, and there were lots of cobwebs. I think it was a little old wooden pulpit here, and uh, of course, none of the new building, but it was great. I think it was just about eight folks that first came and prayer walked around the area about seeing Highgrove open as a church in the area, and it's been wonderful. So now, you may not feel that old, but you are the grandparents of Woodland Central, and the great grandparents of many of the new plants so it's wonderful to be here and to be sharing with you today and particularly at the beginning of a new year where we're beginning our prayer week and um, I want to share with you especially today what I feel is a kind of prophetic word for this coming year so I could test you really as to those who've been around a little while as to what the prophetic word was I felt for last year but I won't test you on that but last year it was a so simple word just three words it was pursuing his presence. What does it mean to pursue God's presence in our life? Now, when we come to the end of the year, it doesn't mean we now forget that word. We just want to build on it. So for me in my daily prayer, I use the prayer words of different past years. So I pray and will pray this year for all of you who are part, regularly part of Hygro. I pray for you every week. So I'll be praying still for God to help you to be pursuing his presence. But I also felt a, a kind of fresh word for this year. So in prayer, and I feel called to a life of prayer, it's not just about talking to God, it's about listening to God, hearing from God. What is God saying at this time into the life of the church? And so I felt particularly for this year, these words, that God is saying to us, expect a fresh wave of my spirit. Expect a fresh wave of the spirit. And uh, I want to just share that in particular four ways in which I feel that wave. God is wanting us to sense afresh in our lives. Firstly, it's a fresh wave of the Spirit in prayer. That's why it's wonderful at the beginning of prayer week to be sharing that, isn't it? And then a fresh wave of the Spirit of God in worship, in our witness, and in word, works, wonders, way of life. So, firstly a fresh wave of the Spirit in prayer. Nowhere do we need more to experience the power of the Spirit than in prayer. You see, God says, not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit. Now, what happens often about prayer is, we feel prayer is up to us to be praying to God for his help. And according to how well we pray, how clearly we pray, how effectively we pray, God's help comes. But actually, we need God's help in order to pray. So it's not just, well, you get on with praying and then you see if God helps you. We actually need God's help to pray. And so the first scripture I want to share are these amazing words from Romans chapter 8. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us with words that cannot be expressed. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. 
Now, if you can understand this this morning, it's the key to prayer. It makes all the difference in your prayer life. This week, we want to sense that not only are we encouraging us to be having our regular times of prayer, but discovering new habits in prayer, new patterns that will be beyond this week, will shape the rest of this year, the rest of our lives. In fact, I gave a little um, helpful guide a few years ago, beginning of one of our prayer weeks, where somebody said, um, Robert, they were just a new Christian, Robert, I only ever pray for about two minutes. How, how do you ever pray, you know, for a whole week where you're going to pray every day? And he said, only pray for maybe two or three days a week. And, and any, any tips, any helps? Well, I said, well, it's not any easy ways you just tip, but maybe practice. And I remember pulling out a, a blank sheet of A4, and again, I could do a little test to see how many you remember. In fact, what I did with the A4, because um, I folded it into four and just suggested, and I, uh, since then, there are many people who said to me, oh, Rob, that's really transformed my prayer life. On the first quarter, fold it into four, first quarter, you just put a name or a place or a situation you're going to pray for every day. Every day, this prayer week, every day. On the second quarter, you put the days of the week. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And you put another name, a different name, a different situation you could pray for on that day, on that Monday, on that Tuesday, Wednesday. And then on the other half of the A4, so it's just one sheet of A4, and this could change your prayer life. You put the days of the month, 1 to 30, one, and even when there's only 28 days, and you can just pray for number 28, uh, the other days. So, and you put a different name, different situation. The, but Rob, he said, I couldn't pray for all that. That's about 40 different people. I said, I mean, I just don't have enough time every day. No, you haven't got to pray for 40 people every day. You only pray for three people every day. You could do that while you're doing your shoelace up. You know, but by the end of the month, you would have prayed for 40 people. Now, the exercise itself is really interesting. I found for many people where it really helps at begin. If you were to do this today, the beginning of prayer week, just to do this, it takes you a little while to do it because it's not just think of a name, stick it down, or look at the telephone directory and find a name. It's, God, who do you want me to pray for every day? Wow. Who do you want me to pray for each week? And just that very exercise itself can be really significant. Now, I need to perhaps say, you don't have to keep it eventually to, if I can find here, you don't have to keep it just to one name. Eventually, you may find you add a few names. So there's more than one name you pray for every day. If, you, if it becomes a habit, you're going to use every day for the rest of your life. In fact, my little one for my daily prayer these days, this is just, I, I'm afraid I've cheated a little bit because my A4 has now become, that's just my, that's just my daily one, you know. So, so there's a, a lot of people I pray for every day, and including many of you here, I pray for high growth every day of my life. And, uh, but there's something about that. So uh, even I'm on a bus stop, I, I know I've wasted any time. You know, I'll just put my little sheet out. That's why it's so tatty, you know. Every day. What could it be this week where we just cultivate a habit? Just try it. Just experiment with it. Just a sheet of A4. Just divide it into four. Do that. Try it for a week and see what it means to you. Now, it's about praying for people, you see. When we've just shared about the Alpha invitation, I just collected a few more myself as I came in today because I've used my, the one I got uh, uh, earlier um, for my neighbor upstairs who, uh, it, it, Pam's been really witnessing to him. He's the last person in the world you can imagine ever coming to an Alpha, but there we are. We really think he might come, but trouble is, Wednesday evening when Woody's is on, he's never free. The only evening he's free is Tuesday. So in fact, the one here is be just the one to be able to, so we're still working on him. But there's another person here in C Mills who I'm going to go visit today after the lives in Sylvan Way. I've been praying so much for him this past year, different times on my heart. Every day I've prayed for him this past year. And I've been wanting an opportunity, but he's always been a bit elusive, difficult, challenging. And, and just before Christmas, I was really on my heart anyway. Um, this was about the 19th of 
December, just before Christmas. In, in fact, that particular day, I remember praying for him, and suddenly I got a call linked with him. In fact, their ceiling was falling down their sitting room. Literally, as he's calling me, it's already half fallen down, Robin, there's a bit more coming down, and uh, could I help? Well, I knew a great, I mean, to get a, to get a roofer out before Christmas would be a really struggling time. It wouldn't be the next summer, I expect. Anyway, I, I knew a roofer. By the end of the morning, I'd been able to contact the roofer, arrange for it, in fact, and be able to at least do a temporary job, and he was gonna come, and he's come and done it all now. So I'm on my way after here today, to go and see them, and I should be taking with them my Alpha invitation, you see. Now, I'm not suggesting you get somebody's ceiling to fall down in order to be able to invite them to Alpha, but, you know, uh, are, we, are we praying, expecting? Who, who did you think of today to pray for in those groups? What does it mean to somehow have that expectation for God to use us? Now, I must hasten, that was just a little introduction, but um, so for prayer, see, as I say, I don't want us to end up at the end of this morning, just feeling guilty because we ought to pray a bit often. Most people who talk about prayer feel, feel bad about it because we all feel we ought to pray more. We never quite get around to it or we don't know what to pray. I want to inspire you to sense a fresh wave of the Holy Spirit helping you in prayer. I have over recent times, and as I say, I feel caught alive, but I have felt increasingly wave after wave of the Holy Spirit helping in prayer, praying with my spirit, praying in the spirit, and sensing that actually that prayer itself is enabled by the Spirit. So how does it work? Listen again to these words where the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray. Well, if you don't know what you ought to pray, no point in praying, is there? I mean, there's something maybe it comes to mind, or you feel a, a situation where you don't know what to pray, so you don't bother to pray. Or actually, is this the very time you need to pray? Because God has put something on your heart, someone on your heart. I remember years ago, a young couple we'd sent to Africa from Bristol, to work in a very difficult situation in Central Africa. And we were praying for them every day. And um, this particular day, they were really on my heart. And all I could say is God had a, a kind of heartache for them. I'm praying for them all day. When I went to bed, I woke up in the early hours, about three o'clock in the morning, and I just couldn't get off my mind, so I'm praying for them, trying to get back to sleep, but praying for them. Anyway, in the morning, uh, I, I wrote to them. I just sent a message to say how it had been on my heart. Uh, they, they immediately responded back to me and said, Rob, you can't imagine how encouraging it was because that night we were traveling across Africa towards South Africa on a very dangerous road. And in the middle of the night, we had this situation where we just missed a fatal accident. We, we almost thought it was the end of our lives. And when we got through it, we just stopped the car and we just breathed a sigh of relief. We looked at our watches and it was the exact time that you said you'd been praying. You see, the sovereign Lord does nothing on earth without revealing his purposes through us. Prayer is one of the ways God does it. So for us to be listening and sensing God. So what happens is this. Here's the process. This scripture is an amazing insight to how prayer works. The kind of mechanics of it, if you like. So I, I feel a heartache. But I don't know what to pray. I mean, they're in Africa. I haven't heard from them. And yet I feel a heartache, so I don't know how to pray. So do I bother to pray? Yes, I do. Because as I pray, and I, I sense my spirit praying, I've had a real release in the spirit in prayer. And it says that as I'm doing that, the spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. So it's not that he gives me a kind of message about, oh, they're going through Africa. I don't even know. But there's groaning. There's an inner welling up of my spirit. I'm sensing a stirring as I'm praying. And then what happens and he who searches our hearts sees what's on our hearts. God's put, yeah, it really is on your heart, though you don't know what to pray. You sense that inner groaning. He who searches our hearts, it then says, 
knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So this is how God's will is released in that purpose because the Holy Spirit is at work in us. God could have done that. He could have saved them from that dangerous accident without ever needing to involve me. But God wants to involve us in his purposes. And through prayer, he releases those purposes. How does this work? I mean, what do we mean by groanings? You can't express with words. That sounds rather gobbledygook, doesn't it? I mean, what do you mean? Uh, I, I mean, the actual word that's used there, the Greek word is glossalia. It's the word we use for tongues. Oh, Rob, don't start talking about tongues. That's a bit mysterious to us. What is what, that kind of gobbledygook sort of stuff, you know, kind of thing? I mean, God is a, God is a, a God who's made us as rational creatures, creatures articulate, able to express our, our thoughts in, in words. That's how we communicate to each other. Why would God want to use some kind of gobbledygook, some kind of groans that are too deep for words? Well, you see, this is the amazing thing about the way God has made us, all of us. At the extremes of human expression, the extreme of, let's take the lightest one, the extreme of humor, of, la of joy, do you know what we do? We gobbledygook. We call it laughter. There's this diaphragm that vibrates in here and out comes. It doesn't say, that is funny, that is funny, that is funny. Actually, we find a release from in our inner being, which is laughter. And that release is an expression that releases from our inner being. Let's go to the other extreme. Heartache and pain and grief and sorrow. Do you know what happens? You don't just say, that is sad, that is sad. Do you know we've got tear ducts? We cry, we weep, we sob. It's beyond words. When somebody's really sobbing, they just can't find the words to express. But they're finding a release from within. Now, we could all say, well, you know, we've all got tear ducts where we think we have enough. We all have the, now, we all have the capacity both to laugh and to cry, but we may be brought up in an environment, a context where it's not normal practice. In fact, in some situations, it might be even frowned on to laugh too much. It might be seen as frivolous. You brought them in a very serious family, in fact, where there was very little laughter. Um, uh, and you haven't hardly ever laughed loud. Or you brought up in a macho kind of culture where tears, oh, we never cry. Uh, 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 and we never would think of crying even. That doesn't mean you couldn't cry. You have got tear ducts. But you may not. So we suppress it. And it can be in our church history, we, church history where, you know, tongues would be an unusual thing. We, in fact, we may associate with Pentecostal or some kind of extreme kind of music. No, 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 no. Uh, and so what happens is we, we've suppressed. We've never, it's not that we couldn't, it's just that we've never experienced. Now, I'm not wanting to say, you no, know, as if this is some kind of special thing that you feel, oh, if you prayed in tongues, you know, that's, that's it. No, 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 no. It's just that God has given us a capacity to pray with our spirit. And it's not as if we want to make it something that is mysterious and special, a sheriff's badge, I pray with tongues, you know, kind of thing. No, no, no. It's just like God has given us a capacity to pray, whereby we find a release of our inner being. It happens not only in prayer, but in worship. So Paul says, I will pray with my spirit and I will pray with my mind. It's not instead of praying my mind, but it's a release of my spirit. So in worship, sometimes... You feel your soul bursting at the seams. Though you may have a favorite song to sing, but you know this is something that goes beyond words. You're just finding that inner release. So 
I want to learn what it is to be able to pray with my spirit and to pray with my mind. I want to be able to use my little A4 sheet and have information. And Paul, in all his letters, in all his letters, usually end with a list. You know, some people are list people, other people are. But for all of us, we need things to help remind us, to engage our minds, our memories. Paul says in all his letters, in all my remembrance of you, I always remember you in prayer. And he gives a list of those he prays. But he also says, I pray in tongues more than any of you. So he found a release in that exercise of his spirit. Now, the same is true when it comes to worship, because God is saying about a fresh wave of spirit in prayer and in worship. My wife Pam, every week on a Monday morning, she has a prayer retreat, a time of prayer and praise. And um, she, in fact, in this, she often will go out for it, but in this winter weather, in the sitting room, so it's out of bounds, the door is closed, and I, I, I try not to disturb Pam, and she sometimes will open the veranda door, as it were, to have that bit of space. But, and she's had some amazing times. Week before last, I always see her after it, and we catch up together. We sit down together, and she shares with me some of the things. But this this Monday morning when she came out, her face was radiant, just like you know six weeks of Moses coming down to the mountain. But also her cheeks was was tear stained. She said, "Oh, Rob, she said, I've just had an amazing time." She said, "She said I've been I've been crying." She said, "But not with sadness. It's just been a sad. she said. It's like almost when I first became a Christian. I can remember one day on night duty. She said I I just felt as if I was almost in heaven. And said just that overwhelming sense of knowing Jesus and being close to Him. She said, and I just spent this morning, I just felt as if I was in heaven. I felt she said a, a fresh wave of the Spirit, that sense of God releasing something in us in worship. That's why Paul says, "I will pray with my spirit." I will sing with my spirit. There's a, a kind of inner release of that. Thirdly, is where Paul goes on to say, um, also about the importance. So I didn't use that scripture there, but this is the scripture with regard to, um, should we just go back one to the one I didn't actually quote it? This is John 4, verse 24, about worship. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. That's for all of us. Jesus said those words to a woman who'd lived a checkered life, Live with different men over her life, and the man she's now living with isn't her husband. And she's, but she's just coming to know Jesus. And you think, oh, well, wait a minute, don't talk, talk about worship. No, 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 from the very beginning, so that first love, that joy of salvation. And he's saying to you know, the true worship is we'll worship God in spirit and in truth. What is it to know that fresh wave of God's spirit in worship? Not just when we're here together, gathered singing, but in our personal times of devotion, of intimacy, that pursuing his presence. And then the third was of our witness, a fresh wave of the Spirit in witness. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Now, we've been encouraging today with the Alpha about to start on the 23rd, just to be thinking of people to invite to that. What is this to, to witness, to share? See, we're not all called to be evangelists. I love being able to share the good news of Jesus and to be able to preach from a platform like this, to, and the more people, the better, but not everybody feels a public ministry in preaching or in evangelism. We're not all called to be evangelists, but we're all called to be witnesses, all of us. You should receive power. As the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses. And that may be with our neighbor. This week, from this past year for me, where I felt that kind of prophetic word stirring about pursuing his presence, one of the ways in which it's been really significant has been in personal witness. I've had an amazing time this past year in personal witness. Every week, every month, seeing folk come to know Jesus. And just personally, it's not from public, not all oh, your preacher, no, not from public preaching. Just So I think I shared with you a year ago, it was Christmas before last, uh, on that Christmas day with our granddaughter and a friend who was there for that Christmas day and sharing with them. 
for her friend. He'd never been to church, didn't know nothing about church, never ever prayed in his life, never opened the Bible. But that Christmas day after lunch, we talked together and shared later. And then over those following weeks, I, I said to him, are you interested in really exploring the Bible? He said, I would be. I said, I wouldn't know where to begin. And so I said, well, look, why don't you just find John's gospel? It's one of the biographies of Jesus. Read the first three chapters. And so he did. And over those following weeks, right the way through January, I went through them. It was a WhatsApp call. They were in the north of England, but just through John's gospel. At the end of it, it was such a joy to see them both just commit their lives to Jesus. Then uh, on, on New Year's Day, which was the following week of that Christmas day, as it were, and the first day of the year at Woody's, there was a, a chap who came into church. I welcomed him. Well, well, the welcome team welcomed him and said to me, Rob, that person is not just the first time to Woody's, the first time ever to church. I said, really? Went back and sat with him for a few minutes and talked with him. Sure enough, first time ever in a church. And I think I told you the story of how as the service went on, I was back on the welcoming. We had communion we broke I thought oh this is gonna be strange I went back and sat by him he was absolutely mystified what are these people getting up eating something and they're drinking something and they're all going around the place and I explained to him about the cross of Jesus that we're remembering and there sat in the back of Woody's he became a Christian I took bread and wine the first time he said can I can I I said yeah now you can as part of the family next week was my neighbor upstairs in fact my neighbor was Polish lady and Catholic all her life and anyway over those next few weeks and months she came to know Jesus and so it went on right the way through and just before Christmas in fact just a few months so I've told you the story we were four boys at home four brothers all rebels all rascals all very competitive always two aside football each and it was uh, whether it was sports or running or football we were very competitive but and uh, over those years it's been wonderful I told you the story of my youngest brother how when I became a Christian he was the first person I prayed for and I was so confused and because he seemed to be going further away than closer and a friend of mine said keep praying and I told you I prayed for him every day for the next five years the next 10 years the next 20 over 20 years every day of my life and then that Monday morning, when I felt that heartache, that witness of God's spirit. And all day that day, and I think I told you the story, I won't go through it now. But So it was over 20 years ago. So all three of my brothers have come to know Jesus. But my fourth brother, as my next youngest brother, he's lived a rather checkered life. A rather checkered life. Anyway... The youngest brother, who I pray for so long, he is really keen for the Lord, constantly witnessing to people. In fact, sometimes, you know, really. So he, he texted me to say he'd sent to my next youngest brother a Bible. This is before Christmas. Sent him a Bible. I thought, oh, goodness me, what will he do with that? He lived up, up he was up in Chester. And uh, so I, I phoned him and said, oh, uh, Norm, I said, I, I gather John sent you a Bible. He said, yeah, he has. And I was fully expecting him to put it in the bin by now, but... Uh, I said, how you do? He said, oh, he said, I, I, he said, I've opened the first, I've opened the cover. He said, and just started on the first chapter. He said, I said, oh, really? I was absolutely amazed he would even be doing that. And, uh, anyway, I said, look, Norm, maybe rather than just trying to start the beginning of the book like you normally would be, it might be good to read one of the life the, the biographies of Jesus. He said, where are they? I said, there are four of them. And I told him where he could find it. And I said, start with John's gospel. And so he did the same. He read the first three chapters a week later. Now, with the others, even with my neighbor, I usually do on WhatsApp video. I just call them and just do it, because whatever I am, I can do that, etc. But normally, he wouldn't be into WhatsApp video, so I, I just do it on a telephone call. And over those next few weeks, bit by bit, we went through John's Gospel. In fact, as we got towards the end of it, I sent him a copy of the, the Why Jesus that we use, linked with the Alpha course, a great introduction to Alpha. It, it, in a sense, I'd encourage him to read John's Gospel, because when John's Gospel ends in chapter 20, um, towards the end of the Gospel, it says... These things were I written that you might believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God. And by believing, you have life in his name. 
I said to Norm, has this helped you to understand? He said, well, it's made me think he really is more significant than I thought. And I said, uh, and would you really like to know that life in his name? He said, well, I, I, I wouldn't know how to find it. I said, would you like to help me, me to help you? And I sent him a copy of The Why Jesus. And there, this is just a few weeks ago now. We went through it together. This is my younger brother, Norm, the last person in the world I could have. And there I am praying with him and hearing him pray aloud, just receiving Jesus into his life. And it's been wonderful since then just to help him in that. So this year for me has been an amazing year of just personally sharing with people that faith in Jesus. The Alpha is a great opportunity to, to introduce folk into that. That's why I say we've already invited our neighbor upstairs, the one here. And after the service, I should be inviting someone Sylvan Way here as well. But our witness, it's not us doing our own strength. What about praying this week, Lord, Give a fresh wave of your spirit in witness. You'll receive power as the Holy Spirit comes upon you. you find when you think you're tongue-tied, you wouldn't know what to say. You suddenly find he puts words in your mouth. You find he opens situations you couldn't imagine. And finally, a fresh wave of the spirit in words and works and wonders and way of life. Oh, we could spend all morning on these sort of areas, those supernatural ways. Uh, I could share with you, and particularly in the whole area of prayer, where God does far above all we could ask or imagine. You know, just this week, um, just a few days ago, I had an email from a dear friend, and the title in the email was, um, what was the actual, uh, it was, that's right, amazing answer to prayer, amazing answer to prayer, so I couldn't get on to reading through it. This is somebody who for the last few years has had a really challenging time. There's someone in their family who's had long COVID, it's devastated their health, it's affected everything in their life. They're about to lose their job because of the, the, the way that it's affected their life and well-being. Their closest relationship is just breaking up. And then just before Christmas, these folks had shared me, oh, Rob, is desperate. It's getting worse all the time. Their landlord has just told me we've got to move out because he's selling the house and everything, everything. And I remember praying and praying with them and just before Christmas this was. And this week they sent me this one, amazing answer prayer. Above all we could have asked or imagined, to see the way God had answered it, eased that long COVID and the effects of it, a new sense of energy and even applied for a new job and has got it, about to get a, move into a new accommodation. All the things have been so, all. And they just said, no, we just could never imagine it happening. Now, over those last few years, there were times when they felt so discouraged. Did God really hear their prayers? Why hasn't God answered immediately? It seems to be getting worse rather than better but how we patiently, persistently hold on in prayer to see that amazing way in which God brings that fresh wave of his spirit. So I want to pray as we close for each of us here that this year of 2024 will be a year where you expect, and that's quite key. See, faith is a substance of things hoped for, an expectation of a fresh wave of God's spirit in prayer, in worship, in witness, in words and works and wonders and way of life. Let's stand together as we pray. Lord, come now by your Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Stir in us at the beginning of this new year, Lord, a sense of expectancy. At the beginning of this prayer week, Lord, a real expectation for a fresh wave of your Spirit in prayer, Lord, helping us to pray, Lord, fresh wave in our witness, in our worship, in our way of life, Lord. Come by your Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us afresh. 
in Jesus' lovely and precious name. Amen.